Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey y'all, welcome to the Swell Suite. Happy Friday. I know this throwback episode is a little late, but hey, I made it. We want to dedicate this episode to our friend of the wine family, Drew Baker. In the past couple of weeks, Drew has posted that he was recently diagnosed with leukemia and he is chronicling his journey through treatment at this very moment. We just wanted to let Drew and his entire family, his sisters, Lisa and Ashley, all of their kids, their parents, we just wanted to let y'all know that we are thinking about y'all. So here is the episode throwback with Drew Baker. Cheers. Hey guys, welcome to the Swirl Sweet Happy Wine Wednesday. Hey guys, how are you? Who do we have today? Did your voice just change, Serena? <laughs> I got a podcast voice. Why you got to call that? <laughs> okay. Hey, everyone. I'm sorry. Oh, God. <laughs> Thanks, Tanisha. Girl meets glasses in rare form as usual. Oh, my God. Right, because it's not that late. So, like, I'm okay. I can be oh. normal. <laughs> Oh, we didn't introduce ourselves. Who's on the call? In case everybody doesn't know our voices. Hi, hi, Sarita. It's Tanisha, Girl Meets Glass. I'm on the call live from Paris. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all. Yeah, you sound like Girl Six. Hey, whatever. <laughs> whatever pays the bills, okay? <laughs> okay, so, well, hello, everyone. <laughs> this is Vino Noir, also known as Glennis. And I'm a cancer. <laughs> Do you like long walks on the beach? Oh my god. Long walks, nice wine, some bubbles, maybe too. All the way from Silver Spring, Maryland. And it's live. <laughs> and this is Drew Baker from Old Westminster Winery. <laughs> hey, Drew. Hey, Drew. You're silly. <laughs> uh, excuse our shenanigans, Drew. Oh, I appreciate it. It makes it fun. Exactly. Drew, didn't, Drew didn't just meet us. He knows how it goes. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, oh. You're right. You're right. There's hey, there's nothing worse than boring, right? Oh my god. Well, a couple things, but boring is pretty bad. Yes. <laughs> so Drew, um, for those who don't know you and don't know your winery, tell them who you are and where your winery is. Yeah, sure. Old Westminster Winery is my family's farm. Uh, we are in rural Maryland, and uh, we have been growing and producing wines. Uh, we got started in 2010, uh, and uh, the, the project is headed up by uh, myself and my two sisters, uh, Lisa Hinton and Ashley Johnson. And um, we are on a mission to put Maryland on the map. And um, hopefully along the way, make some really delicious, low intervention wines uh, that folks enjoy and uh, just tell a story about um, our little slice of this planet. Nice. I love it. Well, I, well, for me, I know you made a great impact when I met you, I think must have been in 2012, 2013, Drew at Decanter. And I just couldn't believe I was drinking Maryland wine when I stood at your booth. And I wouldn't leave. It was like, okay, she will not move. Nope, I am not moving because this is the best wine I ever tasted from Maryland. I'm standing right. And when I tell people that, they're like, ah, oh, Glenn, stop. 
I'm like, you all have to try Old Westminster. When it comes to Maryland wine, you are my go-to. And I'm not just saying that because you're a guest on the show right now. <laughs> well, I appreciate that very much. It definitely means a lot to, uh, to have uh, such uh, positive remarks from uh, someone that I respect as much as you. So thank you. You are very welcome. I'll be asking for a favor once we go offline again, though. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. <laughs> and this is half a case of pet mat. That's what she's going to ask for. No, no, no. I'll tell y'all later. It's a good thing, though. You're right. gonna... I'm staying after the call so I can hear it, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, Drew, uh, can you tell us how this all began? Like, what, what made you and your family, what inspired you to start a winery? Yeah, that's a great question. So, what inspired us? We, it, the, the whole project was born of, of humble and practical origins. I remember um, it was um, 2008, 2009, and um, we sat around the, uh, the kitchen table, uh, and my parents were trying to figure out what to do with the family farm. And um, we, you know, the economy was bad at the time. I, my, my sisters and I had um, all gone away to college, so my parents were empty nesters, and they were trying to figure out what was next. And um, out of that, uh, this crazy idea of uh, starting an agricultural-based business together and trying to grow, grow something and create a product that we were proud of and would bring our community together was, was the grand idea. And uh, wine seemed like, uh, at that time, crazy as it sounds, um, a really reasonable and feasible way to do that. Um, I was in college studying business at the time. My sister Lisa was uh, about to uh, get her degree in chemistry, and um, she was thinking about going into medicine, but uh, becoming a winemaker just sounded like a whole lot more fun. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and so we, you know, really kicked the tires on the whole idea. And, um, you know, hindsight, it's amazing that we didn't make more uh, rookie mistakes than we did, because this really is a first generation product uh, project. Um, but yeah, we just kind of set out uh, lots of hard work and grit and, um, you know, my parents put all their retirement into planting our first 7,500 vines, and we kind of went all in. I moved home uh, from uh, after, as soon as I graduated from college, I moved home for a couple of years and uh, tended the vineyard, made wine, you know, didn't pay myself, really just kind of, we bootstrapped it. And, um, you know, fast, fast forward, we are at a place now where um, we have a lot to be proud of. And um, it's just been a, a rewarding journey, that's for sure. Nice. Well, you all have definitely um, done a great job. I think the, for the first um, wine of yours that I tasted was the Albarino. And the Albarino just blew my socks off for Maryland wine, because I don't think at the time that I knew of any other Maryland winery that was making that were making such a good quality Albarino. So, what other varietals? Tell the listeners what other varietals um, that you all um, make, and which ones are your favorite? Besides, I know you might say, oh, but that might be a stupid question." Right? But no, 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 no. <laughs> all that's of a them. good question. 
Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and, and I would say Albarino is definitely at the top of the heap. Um, it's, it's definitely a grape that we do well in this region. It likes it here. It's from Rio Spicious in northwest Spain. And, uh, you know, that's a particularly uh, damp corner of Spain. There's a heavy uh, maritime influence there. And, you know, we have our fair share of, of humidity and rain as well. So this grape variety has high acid, thick skins well acclimated uh, to our uh, uh, particular climate and just makes really, really good wines here. Um, and, uh, you know, wines that I would stand up against any, which is, which is uh, you know, a good feeling. I'm sort of captivated by our Native American and uh, mixed heritage grape varieties um, because I want us to make um, world-class wines from grape varieties that are from here. Um, here being not only our region, but the Americas, and just kind of challenge, challenge the notion um, that vinifera is the way to go, because I, I just think there's an entire category of grapes that can be grown organically that are made from vines that have lived native in the woods here, uh, you know, for millennia without our help. Um, and if we can find a way to coax um, some interesting wines from these varieties, then that's a story worth telling, I think. Oh, wow. Absolutely. Drew, when did you make the decision to go that route, to do it the organic, more natural way? Because when you first started out, I don't necessarily think that was your mission and think that you grew different varietals. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah that's a really good question. Um, but, it, you know, it's been part of our own evolution as well. And I think, you know, that it, it, it's sort of, um, uh, you know, it's, such as life, you learn lessons along the way, um, you find inspiration, and you seek to emulate that. So that's kind of what, what we're doing is, um, you know, we've always had our ear to the ground, we've always had uh, winemakers and wines that we have just sought out, taken notes on, appreciated. And, um, you know, something that just really consistently in the early days, um, captured us time and again was this idea of making wines without makeup um when you when you taste a wine that is not only delicious but is uh you know fermented with native yeast and is unfiltered and it, it just seems to have um life and character and a story that can often be removed um via um heavy fingerprints from a winemaker. Um, so 2014, to answer your question, was our first year that we uh, fermented all of our wines with native yeast. So no cultured yeast from 2014. Um, and we learned a lot that year. We had some really good results. We also had uh, some learning opportunities. And um, <laughs> But it, was, uh, it, it really was a, a sort of a paradigm shift for us and an opportunity to, um, you know, to get better the next year. But since that moment, we've really, can, you know, continued to double down on not only trying to make fundamentally delicious wines for Maryland, but also to make them uh, in less, uh, you know, in minimal interventional ways. Oh, nice. So <clears throat> winemaking and working in wine altogether is difficult. Not only are you doing that, you and your family doing that, but you guys are bringing others along with you. How did you guys decide to do the co-op 
winery that I, I forgot the name of it, but um, Maryland Wine Cellars. Yes. How did you decide to do that? Yeah. Well, um, like most of our um, ideas, it it's sort of born of necessity. <laughs> it's like, okay, what are we going to do about this? And so um, we looked to uh, winemaking models around the world, predominantly in Europe, those that are mature. And it's very, com you know, it, it, it's, it's almost, you know, you don't find situations there where every single vineyard or every family has their own winery. Um, there are lots of co-op and shared facility models there. And none of that existed here in Maryland. When we got started, we had no choice but to, uh, you know, either, either make our own place to make wine or not have the option to make wine at all. So we set out to that, um, you know, it, it was not a small endeavor or inexpensive by any stretch. So we said, you know, what would be an interesting model is if um, we offered winemaking services to others and really create kind of a, a symbiotic relationship in that we can share capacity, share and share overhead in that we were able to share our infrastructure, our skill set, our excess capacity, and uh, other uh, winemakers in the region, neophyte winemakers that were looking to get into winemaking, uh, but lacked their own facilities, were able to get started with us uh, without first having to make, you know, a massive term investment in their own facility. So, hi, Drew. This is Leslie. Hi, Leslie. Hey. I noticed recently there are two other Maryland wineries that are now offering canned wine. So once again, you have uh, set the pace for everyone. And I was wondering what, uh, what, what started you guys down that path in the beginning? Oh, boy. Um, that's a good question. Well, first of all, who are the other two? Because I don't know that I've had them. <laughs> <laughs> Urban Urban Winery, they um, were pouring uh, their canned wine at the Weird Wines events. Okay. And then um, somebody else, I just got an email from, they, they were demoing or showing off their canned wine. So there are oh. two other people. Two okay, other interesting. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we just... Um, um, I guess two years ago now, we had a conversation early on and said, you know, we want to uh, double down, put our reputation on the line and say that, you know, uh, we can make a really delicious and um, worth drinking wine that happens to be in uh, a can uh, because from the in, in environmental standpoint, cans, particularly BPA-free cans, just make a whole lot of sense. Um, they're, they are easy and likely to be recycled. They are lightweight, uh, small format, uh, and non-glass safe. Um, so that's what we liked about it. And um, so when we did can, we were actually the first farm winery on the East Coast to can. And um, it was, I think, a really important moment for us because initially there were definitely plenty of like eyebrows raised and question marks about it. Um, but we really just kind of stuck to our story, which was, you know, that these are great wines true to our ethos that happen to be in cans. And, um, you know, fast forward, it's really, it's really served us well. And um, 
we are, you know, we, we sell out of all of our cans. We're, we're distributing in a dozen states. And I think if we had more wine, we could sell it more. I mean, it's just been really exceptionally well received and um, just, you know, uh, frankly, a, a, a lot of fun along the way. And it's just provided a, um, a medium for creativity that doesn't exist in bottles. Well, I think it's great. And congratulations um, being recognized by the Post as one of the better rosés in this area. And it's one of your canned products. So congratulations on that. Just, just That's cool. It. I don't know that, that either. So please send that to me. <laughs> yeah, I, <sure> will. <laughs> I I live under a rock. <laughs> you live under a pan That's what you live under. You I'm live under some great guys. People are fascinated with the idea of can wine. I think I told you all this, but Drew spoke to my class uh, last semester and he talked about his canned wine and those students were so fascinated with the idea of canned wine they were like mm. so americans drink wine in the can <laughs> asking him questions about the canned wine i'm like he has so much other stuff to talk about they're like no we have more questions about these cans yeah. why do you drink in the can yeah yeah well you know we're just a little bit ahead of the curve in a, in a couple of years they're gonna say oh i remember hearing about this when they see them everywhere <laughs> yeah. i don't know if frank's gonna catch on to that just yet but yeah we'll see they, they still have it's, trouble with screw tops well, we'll yeah we'll it's it's coming <laughs> you know cross for them fingers crossed. lines are um great for outdoor events as well like sporting events tailgating so um i know you all probably made a great impact in this area especially at the skins um stadium because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're being very modest because those cans the um volume in the cans are almost like two glasses yes yes some proprietors are I up for that one. <laughs> to make a nice profit i will say drew so thank you for that as well so people it's worth every dollar but don't be sticker shocked okay. i had it when i was at deal that's what we had right sarita we got the yes um, yeah it okay. was 25 dollars a can oh yeah oh, okay well in the restaurant yeah so that's like two glasses of wine yeah which if you had just a regular you know a glass somebody, of wine somebody in the dc area sponsored that for us did somebody okay oh. no i had that on my tab yeah so you know i almost had a heart attack because i'm not used to those numbers but, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it was very much worth it i totally <laughs> Because oh, it's sure. old Westminster, so I had to try it. That was my first You're just time. saying that because Drew's on the phone. No, I was saying, you know me. Wait a minute. You no, I'm kidding. You can say that anyway. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. She knows me. I'm uh oh, like, we lost uh -oh. her. Uh oh, Drew dropped uh -oh. off. Who we lose? We, lo we lost Drew. We lost Drew. Right. Oh, no. Lost against the honor. Well, he must be in the vines. Um, you're out there, burn here. Oh yeah, do we need to talk more about the Solstice Festival and the yeah, bunch of I, I want to yeah. hear, hear about Burnt Hill and how the Summer Solstice came together. Can we get more into your new voice, Sarita, please? Oh, what? Is this about this? I'm not, I'm regular. 
I know I, I had some. Glennis, what, Glennis, will you tell her she, Glennis, is she regular? Is this regular? Is this regular, everybody? <laughs> right, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm back. Sorry. Oh, okay. that's okay. It's so, okay. Just in time. We're to ourselves here. <laughs> we want to hear about uh, Burnt Hill and Summer Solstice. Yeah, so um, Burnt Hill Farm is uh, a, a farm that sort of represents a new frontier for uh, for Old Westminster Winery, we um, set out about three years ago to find, in our mind, uh, the perfect hillside to uh, to grow more grapes. And um, after a long search, we found this place and think that it has um, all of the characteristics needed to make um, you know wines that are really delicious and special. And so we have been working on uh, farming this place for the last two and a half years now, um, rotating cover crops, doing biodynamic farming preparations. And uh, we just finally set out and planted our first uh, 20 plus thousand grapevines um, about uh, a month ago. And so it will be several years, obviously, before we take our first crop and are able to make wine uh, from grapes on this hill. But what we thought that would be um, just a lot of fun and, and an opportunity to um, uh, just bring community together, build some positive energy would be to have an event where we invite and celebrate um, people who have inspired us along the way. So we invited, um, I, I just reached out to all of uh, the winemakers whose wines I really love and said, hi, I love your wines and we're having this event would you be interested in coming here and being a part of this um, in the Maryland, D.C., Virginia area? And shockingly, uh, so many of those who I really uh, look up to have said yes, which is really cool. So we have 30 of, to my mind, uh, the best winemakers from around the country uh, that are coming here on June 22nd on summer solstice, which is just a really fun day, um, to, to pour and share their wines uh, alongside some really great food and uh, music and art and, and all that good stuff. Uh, so, so that's what Summer Solstice is. Oh, so our, so this World Sweets invitations are in the mail, correct? <laughs> yes. Just gave them to you right well, I know it's coming, but yes. Yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jim. He said winemakers he looked up to in life, not wine drinkers. We're the second string. Like these invites go out later. That's that goes out. <laughs> Our evite got lost in the internet. Is what happened. <laughs> That's awesome. Drew, you did this one post about um, I think you guys had buried shells or something like that at Burnt Hill. Oh, and I didn't uh, quite understand. Could you explain what you guys have done? Sure, yeah. So um, it's going to sound crazy, uh, but those were cow horns. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, and we filled those cow horns uh, with manure. Uh, and that manure is, is uh, uh, from my, my neighbor's farm. And uh, then those cow horns in that manure were buried uh, three feet in the ground uh, where they rest to this day. Uh, and the idea is 
that they are uh, that the manure is transforming inside of these horns as berries, and we will dig them up. Um, and make a tea from this manure and spread it on our fields as um, a sort of inoculum. Yes. That will bring just really good uh, flora. So think yeast and bacteria oh, okay. that live in the soil and bring lots of life. And there's a lot of there's you know there's a lot of nuance. The idea that cows um, so so cows that are grazed you know on a particular hillside based on soil conditions weeds and plants have an, have an amazing ability to sort themselves and mm -hmm. based on the characteristics of the ground that's what grows there naturally cows have um, these amazing stomachs where we'll, when they graze on a particular hillside based on the nutrients that they're taking in um, their stomachs manufacture the perfect medicine for the soil so it's the idea that the plants sort themselves and tell you what's going on in the soil. And then the cows eat those plants and their manure is medicine for the soil. So it's sort of like, um, you know, a mother's milk for her child. Um, mm -hmm. There's just like so much to it that really doesn't make sense. And it's kind of crazy, but it often carries just the perfect remedy for a child's illness. Similarly, yes. cows have this relationship with the land. So that's why they... That's why cow horns and particularly the manure from cows from your farm are particularly a, a special combination. Mm. Wow. Nice. Anyway, sounds weird, I know. Um, no, it's a thing. Like, that is the process. And then, you know, um, also some other things where people pick the grapes and all that by the um, temperature and the cycle and the phases of the moon and things like that. I mean, you have to try different things uh and you are doing something I, I, kind of cutting edge and new anyway so yeah while it may sound weird now in a few years when everyone's doing it then exactly you won't yeah. be the first and like, oh well, we yeah. did this because we did it there's so many other so situations where you know it's it, it, there are so many other situations where it's just so e easy and obvious to see the control that the moon and the planets have on our uh, particular environment as it relates to weather patterns and tides in the ocean and you know there, there I, I think that we are uh, and we I just mean broadly speaking are so used to you know just looking at the app on our phone to see what's going on that there's like you lose a connectedness to um, what's actually happening and there's just a little element of trying to pay closer attention to those sorts of things and to recognize that, you know, there's, there's more going on uh, than, um, than meets the eye if you really take the time to stop and to listen. Exactly. It's always better to be, in, to be congruent with an ecosystem than to be in conflict with it because you will not get the yield that you want if, if you are a great uh, a yield that is profitable so it, i i totally understand and it's great to actually hear that um, yeah you congruent you know, not in conflict i like that that's good i'm a, that's a hashtag yeah and that came from the soil whisperer so we got to go with that we got to believe that yeah yeah this is literally gospel the soil whisperer <laughs>
<laughs> so, Drew, this is our last serious question. Um, what kind of advice do you give? Oh, well, sorry. for now, <laughs> um, what advice do you give to future winemakers? Oh man, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, Make better wine. Like, how about that? Step your game up. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I think that the advice that I would give would be to try to make something that you love um, and that interests and inspires you. Because I think what there is too much of in wine and that we could all do without is um, the production of wines that we think other people are going to like and that we don't love ourselves because it just it, it's it's really it's really hard to to tell a story and to share uh and to get behind and believe in something that you don't love yourself like people can just feel that and see it from a mile away and also um it just takes uh, i think a lot of energy and um uh, passion and will to, you know, to stick with things uh, along the way, because it really isn't easy, both in terms of time and energy and money and effort and sacrifice and all of those sorts of things. And boy, is it so much worse when you're not into it, you know? So my advice would be to make sure that you're doing something that you love and that you're making something that you personally believe in, first and foremost. Oh, love that. I, I, I agree totally. Can you tell the listeners where you can, who, what your, how, what your distribution is like and where um, your wines can be found? Yeah, for sure. So um, in, in the Mid-Atlantic okay. is, is obviously where we have the best representation. Um, Virgin, Northern Virginia, D.C., Maryland, um, Philadelphia, and then there are select places uh, in New Jersey. We do, um, you know, our wines aren't impossible to find in New York, and um, we have pretty good representation in in Boston and Massachusetts, and then Maine, uh, just like in the Portland area. So again, not a lot, not everywhere for sure, uh, but there are places to find our products there in those states, um, and then also California. Um, so yeah. Uh, oh, and Ohio. <laughs> so I would be happy to uh, to send a link or if anyone um, wants to reach out. And then we do ship and sell wine online as well. Um, but those are the states that we distrib uh, distribute to. Great. Great. Okay. Drew, I have a question about your um, social media. Because you and your family like are very active um, and come up with... Uh, new, different, and exciting ways to interact people, interact with people. How do you come up with some of the different things that you've done? And do you still do the, um, like the lunch with the winemakers where you sit down and do that with your sisters? Is that no, but we should, shouldn't we? <laughs> I mean, I'd watch it late because, you know, I'm behind. But yeah, so how yeah, do you even yeah, come yeah. up with that? Because like, you keep people, like we know everything is going on. I feel like I still live there um in maryland and like know everything that's going on with the family with old westminster and all that so how do you just do you have like a specific strategy or do you just say hey we just want to share what we're doing with everyone yeah just always looking to storytell and um you know not not make anything up we, we say document not not uh create yes. and the idea yep yeah, so you know all about that 
And the idea is to just kind of like share what we're doing. And um, the good news is, is that, you know, wine and growing grapes is interesting to most people, if nothing else. So it's a good story to tell and to share. And um, yeah, that's, that's really our MO. And I, you know, I think we could, I personally think we could do a better job, (laughs) Um, but we definitely do um, make sure to the best of our ability um, that we're always taking a couple of minutes to, um, you know, to put our thoughts and, and what we're, what we're into or thinking about or trying to do, uh, either onto paper or into a video or a picture, et cetera. Wow. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. And just let me know when you yeah, get so, back to the, you know, dinner with or lunch with the winemakers. That was fun. Yeah, it was really Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. And I, I personally miss that very much. Um, but, you know, like uh, the, the, the uh, just, I guess I'm full of excuses, really, but <laughs> I, 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 I should I Yeah, y'all busy? Uh, Everybody pregnant? Time. Like, we, I mean, it's not. Like, okay, <laughs> exactly. Life, life takes over. And uh, sometimes it's hard to stop and drop whatever you're doing to, uh, you know, to film yourself for 30 minutes. Kids <laughs> need to be fed. Somebody's diaper got to be changed. Like, stuff happens. <laughs> Right. Exactly. Exactly. No, I get it. (laughs) Okay. So this is the part of the show, Drew, where we just ask random questions to get to know you a little bit better. Um, Uh So our first question is, who out of your siblings is the best cook? Oh, boy. Um, (laughs) Don't get Drew in trouble. (laughs) mm -hmm. (laughs) I would say definitely not me. <laughs> that, that is, uh, I, I would say, I would say probably Ashley. Um, though I, I would say that none of us are particularly gifted cooks. <laughs> we, okay. We, we uh, yeah, we uh, we make we make food for sustenance for sure. Uh, but I think the the wine is always the uh, the star at the table. <laughs> gotcha. But you know what? You have really great like posts of whatever you're cooking for dinner i mean i'm always waiting for my invitation because it looks so delicious so oh yeah i I put some things together but uh uh, but it it it, it's never that impressive that's okay i would say i would say i'm not that creative i i i I make good food but it's not very very creative (laughs) nobody dies like it's fine yeah (laughs) oh good Okay, true. (laughs) Name a profession that you would like to try for a day. And this question is for everybody. Ooh. Um. Hmm. You are really catching me off guard. This is good. (laughs) What is something that I would like to do for a day? Well, we were just talking about food, so I think that it would be really fun to uh, to work as as a chef in a uh, in, in an in a kitchen where you get the opportunity to be really creative and 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 make interesting food. Okay. So, like a fusion restaurant, maybe a Michelin star, or maybe yeah, something just like something that. totally totally out of my ordinary strike zone. Okay. Okay. What about you, Matt? What about you all? What would I want to do for a day? I have always wanted to be the beer person. 
you know, walk up and down, go, cold beer, cold beer. No <laughs> way. Are you kidding me? I, I did. I always, but now that I'm older and have a mature shape, I don't think I could do the steps anymore. But I always wanted to do that. <laughs> I like this. She said, no, I don't think I can walk up the steps. I'm like, I'm I will spit all the beer. <laughs> I'm gonna take two steps and beer and be on somebody's back. Like it would be around oh, me. Then I gotta buy all the beer. Funny. That, I did not expect, I didn't see that one coming. No, not at all. Well, <laughs> hey, I, I want to change mine though. I think it would be cool. <laughs> I think it would be cool to be a pilot. Of, uh, oh like, yeah, like a military jet or something. I wouldn't want to be a pilot of a plane with a bunch of other people on it, just because that would be stressful. <laughs> but I think it would be really fun to be like jet. a pilot in like one. a mean jet that mm -hmm. was just me in it. Got it. Yeah. yeah, that's funny. For me, I guess retirement. <laughs> <laughs> But just for a day? No, like I want that. Like I would, no, I give it to that. I wouldn't go back to work. Yeah, right. I'd be like, nope, this day was too good. Like, and there two. you have it. Three, <laughs> seventeen. <laughs> what about you, Talisha? What? Um, uh, huh? For a day, uh, I'd want to be a cabaret singer on a cruise ship. Oh, oh <laughs> I, I can so see that. that. I can so see. Holy. That. Totally. Yeah, I'm gonna be a cabaret singer on a cruise ship. Like, have a whole show is dedicated to like Anita Baker, Whitney Houston, and Shaka Khan. There you go. Are you gonna do uh, wardrobe changes? Uh, what? Yes. Yes. Wardrobe, yeah, makeup, hair. We doing it all. Okay. And then I gotta oh, take my shoes man. off, like Patti LaBelle, sing around the stage, grab people from the crowd. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What? Um. What's her name? Who? Um. Is under the handle just. In the bottle. Oh, just the bottle. Yeah. Yes. So she just went and saw the Countess Luann. Mm -hmm. She was local. And so I asked her what it was like, and she was like, it was a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was like, I live for that. I would love to see that train wreck. But she said everybody in the audience was drunk and it was, oh it was a hot mess. Perfect. My kind of crowd. Like, right. y'all gonna boo me? Y'all on a cruise ship? Where else y'all going? Y'all got right. <laughs> What about you, Sarita? Um, I think I would be the person who's the announcer at basketball games. Oh, oh that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to try that for a day. So this is great. We have you announcing the game, Leslie bringing the beers up and down. <laughs> I'll do the flyover. And the <laughs> is getting the entertainment during halftime. There it is. Oh, whole show. Whole show. Yeah. <laughs> Drew is flying overhead. Uh -huh. over. Right. Yeah. Drew flies his plane over, drops beer yeah. out of it, or parachute. I don't know. Or, or has that <laughs> jump out. Saying, <laughs> <laughs> what's going on? Oh man, that's funny. Oh, he he flies the plane with the banner in the back. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. 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 It says drink old Westminster wine. There you go. Yep, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. Okay, Drew. So, um, I think I saw on Instagram that one of your favorite restaurants to 
go to and to partner with is Woodbury Kitchen. Well, we hope so. We got to edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love Woodbury Kitchen. Have you been there before? Yes, I have. So what's one of your favorite meals to have there? Oh, man. You know, I usually, my, my strategy when I go to a restaurant where I know the food is going to be good is I always ask, um, the waiter or waitress what they're into or what's really good right then because sometimes like the menu is always changing based on the season so I always ask for recommendations and then if I like what they say I go with it and if I don't I pick something else but um, I would say I usually I really love their rockfish I've had rockfish there before that was just so good mm-hmm. oh sounds good yeah. I've never been there you never been it's really good it's kind of like founding farmers oh okay yeah, farm, farm the table. Mm-hmm. Nice. They had um, they have a special that was on cheap eats during happy hour, and um, what was it? It was it was I think it was either a drink or something during happy hour, but it was a dollar. Wow, a dollar. Yeah. Huh. Nice. Nice. Right. Well, I will Google that and I will put that in the show notes. Okay. Yeah, it was exactly All right, Drew. Next question. Name a family tradition that you guys have. Well, uh, my wife and I we just started our a, a mini family tradition where every year at Christmas we sit down and uh, we film ourselves having like a little conversation where we just like chat about like what is like what's going on what happened this year you know what were the highs the lows like that's funny funny stuff all of that sort of thing and uh so we we filmed it for the first time two years ago um which was the day before noel was born and then we did it again past year where noel it was the day before her one-year-old birthday and oh. I like and looking forward to doing that over time and like you know as the family grows and all that kind of stuff and then someday being able to like go back and watch like like watch like 15 or 20 minute conversations from each year I just think that'll be really cool oh yeah oh my god oh, that's, wow. so mm-hmm. excellent. I love it. that's excellent that's about to be my new tradition I'm gonna just talk to myself I'll be like hey y'all listen <laughs> It's like the new journaling. Like, I mean, you know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, exactly. Nice. Okay. All right. So this next question is for everybody. When your palate is exhausted with wine, we've been to events and tastings and judgings where we've had to sip and drink wine all day. What do you drink to give your palate a break? Beer. I knew you were gonna say that. Yeah. I want H- an ice cold, oh. blonde beer yes okay yeah i would i either i mean it depends like i could go with a nice little pilsner or something simple and easy um but i i'm I'm a cocktail person myself yeah um so like when i'm ready to but like that's not a good that's not a good like refresher to get back to wine that's like when we're done with wine like then i like yeah exactly Mm -hmm. yeah definitely um i'm a I'm a margarita girl. Give me a nice, and I, if it's frozen and good and strong, oh, that's oh. that's even better. Yeah, I could, I could, I could have one of those as well. <laughs> I'm off tequila. Tequila has never been good to me. I'm not 
It's you just haven't found the right tequila. Uh, you know what? And I'm not trying anymore. I'm done. I mean, you just got to get to a point where you just realize, like, this just isn't for you. Like, everything's not for you, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay. <laughs> Jen has done me much better and has never turned on me the way tequila has. Mm. Wow. Okay. Now, are you blaming the spirit or uh, should be? Of course, it's a spirit. Um, I'm blaming it. Or <laughs> the amount of the intake of that spirit. Oh, no. Tequila is an evil spirit. Mm -mm. Oh. <laughs> wow. You got to tell us about what tequila has done to you. Exactly. Mm -mm. No. Poor tequila. <laughs> Glenn, uh, since you red lights ain't recording, we're never talking about that. Some <laughs> stories are going to the grave, okay? Um, if I'm being a responsible adult, Tarita, it would be H2O. Mm. A little glass of water and more water and more water. But if I'm not being a responsible adult and I need to have something else or want something else to drink, it depends on where I am. So if I know the place makes good cocktails, I'll have a cocktail. But always beer is a steady, non-surprising elixir. Let me put it like that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like you know what you're getting. You know what you're paying. What you're paying for, and it's consistent. So it would be a beer, probably a Stella. Yeah. And for me, it's always cold. Like I cold. need something. It's I want something cold. ice cold. And also, real talk, after wine tastings, if we're actually tasting, I really just want a full glass of something. Like I feel like I've been teased the whole day. Right. Taste <laughs> it. Taste uh -huh. it. I would like to drink a full glass of one thing. Yep, that's why I always go for the water. So, yeah. yeah, so like I've had some sips of water, but water, you know, they usually don't have a cold. So that's why I'm like, you know what? Let me get this beer because y'all be playing with this water situation. So, Leslie, did you, you would settle for water if it was cold, but it's not. So you got to go for beer. <laughs> yeah, that's why I got to go for Exactly. Water's not cold. Exactly. Water's that's not cold. a likely excuse. <laughs> oh, so you know they don't really do ice here like that in water. So oh, right. yeah. yeah, I would. It it has to be ice cold vodka with the twist of lime. Mm. Oh, okay, okay, all, all right. right. The big girl, like the big girl drink going on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hair on your chest, right? Okay. Listen, I don't. All right, me. all right. She didn't say with soda. She didn't say with a tonic. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. With a twist of lime. Yes. Yeah. Not lime juice, just the rind, just in the glass for garnish. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Ice cold. All right. But I think it's part of it is the coldness. Yeah. Yeah. That wakes up your palate. Yeah. Mm, okay. I like it. I like it. All right, Juice. So our last question. What do you do after a, a long day of winemaking? How do you unwind? I usually don't. <laughs> I, I like to, uh, I, so I work a lot and I like what I do. Um, so after a long day of winemaking, I usually try to catch up on all the other things I need to do. Um, but in terms of like, just, I, I like to go for either a walk or a jog, like get my steps. 
and that's like a good time for me to think. I think well when I'm when I'm walking or doing a nice little light jog, um, and that's something that I really like to do in the evenings. Um, even after I put even after I put Noel to bed, I'll uh, I'll uh, you know go walk around the block a couple of times and you know just kind of gather my thoughts and get some steps. Mm, nice. That's so healthy. Right. It is. Yeah, I'm just I'm just ma making up for all the days that I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it sounds good. Then I'm also like, dang, Drew don't have a Netflix account? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? It's so funny. I was writing the questions and I was just like, I could ask him about food, but he don't look their family don't look like they eat processed food. I can't ask them what's cereal. Oh, like, I don't know. Like, yeah, do you like pizza or hot dogs? He's like, um, I don't know about those please. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we eat vegan cheese. <laughs> yeah, no, I I drink all my calories. <laughs> got it, got it. No, but over the weekend I was in Philadelphia and uh, do, doing a a wine tasting, and I had an event. And at the end of the night, um, the the restaurant that I was doing the event at, the kitchen had closed, and I was like, I guess um, I guess the owner could see on my face that I was that the kitchen was closed and she was like all right she came back out and she was like well so the kitchen is closed but she was like i found she was like we have we have donuts and soft pretzels with beer cheese and i was like i'll take this i had a mezcal cocktail a donut and a soft pretzel so i car loaded <laughs> that sounds like a good night that was worth it you being yeah. there so yeah absolutely yeah, I thought Guys, he was going to say a cheesesteak, but I'm like, that might have been I thought he was going to say a cheesesteak, too. Or like a hoagie, something. But he's yeah. like, no, but that's all pretzel fat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, any more questions for Drew before he closes us out? So, so I don't have a question, but I just want to say that when Vino 301 first started, that the Baker family was one of the very few people that supported us. And I thank you. You will always have my support because those were really meager times then and you guys stood <laughs> you stood behind Vino three oh one. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Oh, well that's so sweet of you. And it it, it means a lot and I thank you. And uh similarly, um uh, it was it was a, a pleasure to uh to, to host you and your clients uh and um you know really support uh thank you for 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 wanting to get to bring people to old westminster winery so thank you well she has some more people she's going to try to talk to you about bringing three people on this call because i know it's been some new developments since i visited so i gotta if I decide to step foot on American soil, we'll see how it goes. Oh, well, if you were trying to butter me up, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we got you buttered up. Uh, <laughs> so, so we, really we are going to let you go. But before you leave, please tell everybody where they can find and follow you on social media. Yeah, Old Westminster Winery dot com um, at Old Westminster Winery on Instagram is probably your best bet, and then on Facebook too. We're on there, and I'm not sure what our handle is for Facebook, but if you just punch in Old Westminster Winery, you'll find it. Awesome. Well, yeah. Drew, thank you so much for joining us. This was a pleasure. 
Yes, it was. Lots of fun. Thanks for inviting me to hang out. No problem at all. Well, have, have a good night, y'all. You too. Have a great Thank night. you, Drew. Thank Bye. you. Bye, Drew. Bye. Thanks for joining this Will Speak today, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode with Drew. Don't forget to check out Old Westminster on Instagram. All right. Thanks again to Drew Baker for that episode. And we are praying for him. So next week, we have one more throwback um, after our spring break. And um, we'll be back to our regular schedule in May. Everyone have a wonderful weekend. Cheers.